0: Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. Today we are continuing a series of messages, actually wrapping it up today, uh, that we're calling Honorable. We've been learning from Scripture how to act honorably towards one another, and today I want to talk to you about honoring God. I have a good uh, pastor friend who tells a story of years ago being on uh, an airplane and um, strikes up a conversation with the guy next to him and begins to talk to him about the Lord. And the guy immediately just pushed back and said, hey man, I don't want to talk about that. I don't believe in God. He went on to say that, that in his mind, he feels like people that do believe in God just kind of use that as a crutch, that it's kind of a crutch for weak-minded people. And, and he was really just insulting in the way that he kind of responded to my friend's attempt to share the gospel with them. And so they're, you know, kind of going along on the flight together, real quiet now, a <laughs> little tension. And all of a sudden, the plane hit some turbulence. And I mean, the thing just dropped. And man, you know, alarms start going off and people on the plane are screaming. And in the midst of all of that, the the guy that said he didn't believe in God started going, oh God, oh God, oh God. And my friend very calmly just reminded him, you don't believe in him. <laughs> I want to, I want to really help you wrap your heart and your mind around the idea of honoring God today. And in these past weeks, as we've been discussing what it means to honor one another, uh, let me just say that to dishonor people is foolish, but to dishonor God is fatal. It's a foolish thing to dishonor our fellow man. Man, you're never, ever, ever going to get away with dishonoring God. And yet there are so many people, just like this atheist in this story, that live uh, in dishonor towards the very God that gave them life. And I want us to take a biblical look at what it means to honor God, and I want to do it by uh, pointing to a story in the Bible that you might not be that familiar with. There are two priests uh, there in the book of 1 Samuel. These priests are actually sons of the high priest of Israel at that time, Eli, and their names are Hophni and Phinehas. You don't typically name your children that. I don't know if your kids are named that, but um, you don't typically name your children Hophni or Phinehas, and there's a reason why. Because these two individuals there in the Old Testament, their story is a reminder to us all of how important it is that we honor God, and that we don't dishonor God in the way we live, in the way we carry out our lives. These young men acted very dishonorably towards God, even though they were priests in his house, they acted very dishonorably towards God. And here is the sentence that God pronounced upon these two young men in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. He says, I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Listen to what he says, listen to what God says, because this is just as applicable applicable, to my life and to your life as it was to these two priests acting so dishonorably so long ago. God says, I will honor those who honor me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Now these two men's demise is actually recorded in 1 Samuel 4. And we'll get there in a moment. But their wickedness that God brought judgment upon included two things. It included treating worship with contempt, and it included bringing sin, in particularly sex sin, into a worship environment. Let me say that one more time. These two men sin were to treat worship with contempt and to bring sin into that worship environment. And this is the very thing that so many are guilty of today. You may have never connected the dots because you look at a story like this and you go, well, I'm not a priest serving in a temple. I want to show you from Scripture today that that's exactly how God sees you if you have made a profession of faith and, and you call yourself a Christian, a child of God, that's exactly how God sees you. And so many who have made that profession of faith are committing very similar sins to these two men. Again, treating worship with contempt and then bringing sin right into that worship environment. I'll read from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through um, Verse uh, 16, first, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. When anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork And while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling, the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand whatever it brought up to be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar, and he would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it would be used for roasting. And the man offering the sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. And then the servant would demand, no, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. And so the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. You see, what these people were doing as they brought these offerings to the Lord is they were worshiping. It was in an Old Testament context, but it was worship nonetheless. And all of us are called to be worshipers of the God who created us. Can I get a better amen? amen. And, and what Hophni and Phinehas were doing is they were treating this way of worship under the Old Covenant with great contempt. Now, here's the interesting thing. Part of the way God set up worship in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant took care of the priesthood. God was going to make sure Hophni and Phinehas and every priest was going to get his. God was going to make sure that because after the sacrifice had been made, the priests were allowed to eat the sacrifices that were brought. It was their livelihood. It took care of their physical need and their sustenance. But these guys are treating with with contempt in the sense that they won't allow it to be carried out in a way that is honorable to God. They're making demands on it. And they're looking out for themselves and they're not thinking at all about the sacrifice that's being made or the people that are making that sacrifice. Now let's look... Uh, At something else and and let me just I want to again help you to connect the dots because sometimes when we read the Old Testament uh, we have a tendency to leave what's happening there uh, kind of within the framework of history and we don't make the personal application to ourselves so how might you treat worship in a contemptible way many of us refuse to worship we only worship God when we feel like worshiping God if everything is going well and we just got a raise last week, we're going to sing more than anybody in the church. We're going to have our hands raised high. But if things aren't going so well, if we didn't wake up on the right side of the bed, we might not sing a song at all. And, and not, to, not to place so much emphasis there, because I think we all realize that worship is more than songs, but songs are a good place to start. Worship is a lot more than coming to a service. But that's a good place to start. We worship God in the way we live our life. We worship God in the decisions we make day to day. What we include in our life or exclude in our life is a way of worshiping God, how we treat each other. Come on, y'all. All All of that is a way of worshiping the Lord, and yet many of us refuse to worship God as he has required us to worship him. We want to worship God our way instead of God's way. We've got the Frank Sinatra approach to, to worship. I did it my way. Well, good luck with that. God said his ways aren't our ways. And we must worship God in the way he has prescribed. We don't worship or we try to worship God in our own way or we pretend to worship when in fact we have no real commitment to God whatsoever. And the trip to church and the song that we sing and the bumper sticker and all of it is just pretense to keep everybody guessing, hoping that they think we're something that we really aren't. And it doesn't matter if they think this or that of you. God knows exactly who we are. And so these men, Hophni, Phinehas, they treated worship in a contemptible way. Look at me. Are we doing the same? In 1 Samuel chapter 2, we read on in verse 22. Now, Eli was very old when he heard about everything that his sons were doing to all the people of Israel and how they were having sex with the women who were stationed at the entrance to the tent of meeting. These men were actually engaged in sexual activity with people that were coming to the house of God to worship. And and I, I wanna take a minute and I wanna join the Bible in... Focusing our attention on that particular sin, but at the same time, I want you to understand all sin is grievous to God. Not just sexual sin, but all sin is grievous to God. And as a follower of Jesus, God has called us to leave our sinful lifestyle behind us and to move into a posture of holiness before God where we live for His glory and we live to serve Him, not ourselves, our own interests. I'm not saying that you're never going to make a mistake. I'm not saying that we're we're infallible and, and and we never miss it here or there. I am saying we do everything we can to please God, serve God, live for God, and live holy. But these men are acting in such an egregious way. So every sin is grievous, but sex sin is especially egregious to God. Almost all pagan religion throughout the history of time, their rituals center around sex sin. And many times when God is pointing out the sins of his people in the Bible, those sins were sexual in nature. I want you to think about this, and that's why the apostle was inspired by the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, to write these words, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And God says it has no business, sexual sin has no business being embraced by people called by the name of a holy God. When we look at the examples that the Old Testament include, we see the example of the golden calf. You understand when Moses came down off that mountain, and and where the Bible says that the people were making revelry revelry around that golden statue that they had formed. You understand what that was. It was a sexual orgy. It, It was all of the people of God engaging in the most reprehensible of behavior. And and, and it brought the judgment of God upon Israel. We know about Sodom and Gomorrah there in the Old Testament where God actually brings his judgment and rains down fire and brimstone on an entire city because of their sexual immorality. We're familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba, how the king of Israel dishonored his God by taking a man's wife and having sex with her. Let me just say that. Modern Christianity, 21st century, even 20th century and now into the 21st century, modern Christianity has turned a blind eye to heterosexual sin for decades. Divorce, adultery, living together, it's something the church has been absolutely unwilling to address. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want, any, we don't want anybody leaving because we would dare to, to, to actually say what the Bible says about sin. And so consequently, the church, the modern church as we know it today, has been turning a blind eye to heterosexual sin for, for decades, and now we're doing the same with homosexuality absolutely refusing to engage in any kind of dialogue where we're honest about what the Bible says of this sin. You have entire Christian denominations now that are endorsing homosexual behavior, actually performing weddings for people who are living a homosexual lifestyle. And I'm just telling you today, this is treating Worship with contempt, and it's an attempt to bring sin right into our worship environment and act as though God never said, Be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. And listen, church, we either believe God's word or we don't. We either believe God's word or we don't. I, I literally had some time back an individual come into. Uh, one of our small groups that we do it's a spiritual growth small group it's called Foundations it teaches uh, the, the biblical foundational uh, practices of prayer and studying scripture and sharing your faith with someone and so on and, 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 and a guys joined our, our small group and about three weeks in it's revealed by his wife to me that this guy going through my discipleship small group is living with his girlfriend. He's, he's, he's abandoned his family, and he's living with his girlfriend, wanting to learn how to pray. I told him, you need to go ahead and drop out of the class. You don't need to learn to pray. You need to learn to repent. You need to learn to honor God and live for God. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you read. You can't read the Bible and live in sin and think you're pleasing God. You're, li- you're dishonoring God, and you're never gonna get away with it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, so, so for those of us today that would say, hey, you know, I, I see this Old Testament example that you're given, but Jeff, I'm not a priest. I'm not Hophni, I'm not Phinehas. I'm just me, right? And, and, and you would say, this passage really, you know, has no correlation with your life and where you are today. Listen to First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Where Simon Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, lets you know as a follower of Jesus, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are. Somebody say, I am. am. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Do you see that? He called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, you are, as a New Testament believer, a priest presiding over the worship you were created to give God. That's who you are. So, let me ask you what kind of priest are you? Are you an honorable priest or a dishonorable priest? Are you an honorable priest or are you a hafti and a phinehas? Let's look at how we honor God and you'll see how it correlates to this story and hopefully you'll connect the dots to how it relates to your own personal life, to our house of worship here. How do we honor God? Number one, we honor God with our worship. We honor God with our worship. And look at me, that is what we are called to as believers in Jesus. Romans 12:1 and two says, I beg you by the mercy of God, present yourself a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What is? Singing a Hillsong song? Attending a service at at Crossroads? Those things can be included, but our spiritual act of worship is to give yourself to God. God to give yourself fully to God and to live to God's glory and to honor him in how you live. Again, what you include, what you you exclude in your life, how you treat people, what you do with your life, the decision you make, all of that is our worship. And I want you to see that a dishonoring spirit, and here's the examination today. I don't know of when, I have preached a more important message than the one I'm trying my best to share with you than, than, than this one here today. And I want you to listen to me. A dishonoring spirit always attempts to steal worship from God for oneself. This is what Hophni and Phinehas were doing. Give me that sacrifice. I want it for me. These people were there to give it to God and these priests were saying, I want mine, and and that's what a dishonoring spirit will always do. It will refuse to worship God. It will refuse to live to the glory of God. It will always demand that the glory goes to itself, to me, to what I want, to what I feel like I need. That's what a dishonoring spirit will do. It will attempt to steal worship from God for oneself. God said this through the psalmist in Psalm 50, verse 23. Those who bring thanksgiving as their sacrifice, honor me. To those who go the right way, I will show the salvation of God. God said, when you bring a thanksgiving offering, when you sacrifice your very self for the cause of Christ, You honor him. And he said, to those who go the right way, I'll show the salvation of God. Can I just say, this dishonoring spirit that attempts to steal worship from God for oneself, it was Lucifer's sin. We're familiar with how the devil became the devil, right? He was once known as Lucifer, an angel in heaven, a holy angel created by God for God's service. Most theologians believe that he was the leader of the worship there in heaven. But one day he decided he didn't want to give God glory. He wanted that glory for himself. And he attempted to exalt himself above God. And he and a third of the angels there in heaven were cast out of heaven that day. Because they acted dishonorably and since then he longs to persuade all of us to follow him in dishonoring God and claiming the honor for ourselves rather than giving it to God you may have noticed recently in the last several months that we every time we gather will take in the course of our service and just make some room for the sovereignty of God I, I don't know if you've noticed I know many of you have um, We plan these services. We take months to plan these services, and we plan our messages, and we plan our worship sets, and um, we uh, plan our inclusion of things like baptism and communion and uh, baby dedications and so on. We plan these services, and it's a good thing to plan the service. The only issue is some things God does are very sovereign. They're in-the-moment sovereign. Sovereign. They're spontaneous, and uh, they can't always be planned for. And so what we've been doing is just saying, how can we just make room for the spontaneous sovereignty of God, to be able to address things that God wants to address in that moment? Now, most of you appreciate that. Most of you uh, have let us know how thankful you are for it, but I've had some that have really pushed back and said, what is this? What's, what's going on here with these quote-unquote gifts of the Spirit, words of knowledge that are given here and there, things that are happening? What's happening all that? I, I didn't think that that's who we were as a church, and, 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 and if it goes on uh, and it keeps going like that, I don't know if I'll be able to continue to worship there at Crossroads Church. And listen, I, I want you to know that I'm, I, I mean this with as much respect as I can muster. I, I don't mean any disrespect whatsoever but if what you're telling me is is that I as the pastor of this church can either make room for God or I can make room for you I'll see you later I'll see you I'll see you listen don't don't get me wrong I, I I don't I don't mean to offend you I listen I love you I want you here but you ain't ever healed nobody You never set anybody free from their sin. You never brought anybody out of darkness into the marvelous light of God's love. If I got to choose between you and God, I'm going to choose God every single time. Now listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you right here. I want you to understand. That's my responsibility as the leader of this house as we gather corporately to worship. But it's your responsibility in in your individual responsibility to oversee the worship of your own life and your own family and your own home you better make sure that nobody takes God's place that nobody else gets God's glory including you that nobody else is is someone you're going to choose over him come on y'all nobody else nothing is ever going to take his place in your life this is what it means to be a worshiper how do we honor God We honor God with our worship. Number two, we honor God by obeying his word. We honor God by obeying his word. You recall, don't you, Satan's original tactic was to get mankind to doubt the word of the Lord. God had created man and woman, Adam and Eve, put them in a garden, took care of every need they had, surrounded them in that lush garden with trees, fruit-bearing trees. You can partake of any fruit in the garden except The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch that. And what does Satan do? He comes along behind and says, did God really say? And he created doubt in the mind and in the heart of man and woman as to whether or not they can trust God and what God says. Think about that. He does the same to us. But Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will do as I command. If we're gonna honor God, we've gotta obey God. We've gotta take God at his word. It's interesting because the name Phinehas actually has Egyptian origin. I want you to think about this for just a moment because Israel was once in slavery to Egypt, but God brought them out of Egypt. It is a type and a shadow of what he would do in this new covenant hour with me and you because we were once in this sinful world, but he's brought us out of it into right standing with himself. But here's the high priest of Israel naming his son as a tip of the hat to the Egypt they once dwelled in. Listen, it's one thing for God to get you out of Egypt. It's another thing for God to get Egypt out of you. And God wants to get the Egypt out of us. Any allegiance to this world, the sin of this world, has to be abandoned. And we've got to take God at his word. The name Phinehas literally means the serpent's tongue. It's who Adam and Eve listened to. You remember? Lucifer came to them, Satan came to them in the form of a serpent and caused them to doubt of the word of the Lord. Now here's a priest serving over Israel, and his very name means the serpent's tongue. You don't do the things Phinehas was doing if you take God at his word. You've been listening to someone else. And I'm afraid there's some folks here today and some joining us online. You've been listening to a different command than the command God has given you. You're listening to the demands of this world. You're listening to the serpent's tongue. You're listening to the devil and what he expects of you. And what we've got to do if we're going to honor God is we've got to honor God by obeying the word of God. So many times we're just in a place where we're going, what's God's will? What's God's will? God, what do you want from me? What, God, what do you want me to do? And all along... It's written right there in the Bible. If you just pick it up and read it, you'd know what to do. You'd know what God expects of you. You'd know what God wants from you. I love the quote from A.W. Tozer. He said, if God gave you a watch, would you honor God more by asking him what time it is or by looking at the watch he gave you? I'm here today to tell you, God's given you a watch. God's given you the Bible. Quit sitting around asking what time it is and look in the word of God and you'll see. The time is short, y'all. The time is short. Look at your watch. Look to the word of God and honor the word of God and you'll honor God himself. Number three, how how do we honor God? We honor God with our worship. We honor God by obeying his word. And number three, we honor God with our wealth. Some, somebody's gonna push back real quick and go, well, I, I, I have no wealth. Jeff, I barely got a dollar in my pocket. Can I just remind you, if you got a roof to sleep under tonight and you have at least one meal today, you're way wealthier than the majority of the world. And we ought to be thankful. We ought to be grateful. And God said we're to honor him with our wealth. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of your crops. Honor him with the first fruit of your crops. Now, I know that there are folks that are gonna go, oh, here we go again. I mean, Matt just talked to us about tithes and offerings a moment ago. Jeff, we don't need to revisit that subject. Listen, we honor honor God with, he says, our wealth. And with the first fruits, That's the tithe, that first 10% of all of our increase. It's one of the ways we worship God. Honor gives God our first and our best. It gives God our first and our best. It puts God first. That's what honor does. Dishonor puts us first. It's what Phinehas and Haphti were doing. I want mine. I ain't worried about God. I want mine. No, no, no. You give God his first and he'll make sure you get yours. Anybody could testify about that in this room? You give God his first, and he'll make sure you get yours. He'll take care of you. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Whatever needs you have, God said, I'll make sure that it's added to you. I'll take care of you. But you just put God first. You're here today, you're joining us online. You say, oh, I want to honor God. And yet you're stealing from him. You're taking what is his and what is holy, that first 10% of whatever he's brought into your life. You're taking it and using it on yourself. You're robbing God. You can't honor God and rob God at the same time. Can I point out, honoring God with the first fruit is what the Israelites in Phinehas and Hafni's day were doing. They were bringing their first fruits. They were bringing their tithe to to the storehouse, to the house of God. I want you to see this. But a dishonoring spirit will attempt to circumvent first fruits every time. That serpent's tongue is gonna tell you, look, pay your bills, get that stuff you've been wanting, and if there's anything left over, throw it in the bucket on Sunday. That's a serpent's tongue that's gonna talk to you like that. Wisdom is gonna say, I'm going to give God what's his and what's left I'm going to use to take care of, of my obligations, perhaps get something that I, that I want. Listen, Calvin Coolidge said this. He said, no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave, for what he gave. And that's why God told Samuel concerning Phinehas and Hafni, I will honor those who honor me. I will honor those who honor me. Don and I are soon going on, or just over 40 years of serving the Lord as tithers. And I want you to know, listen, I want you to know we've never lacked for anything. God has always taken care of us. He's always met every need that we had. He has stepped in and always made a way. Sometimes when it seemed there would be no way. I know there are other people in this room that could testify that God honored you when you honored him. Come on. If God's helped you that way, let's give him praise. How do we honor God? We honor him with our worship. We honor him by obeying his word. We honor him with our wealth. And then lastly, number four, we honor God with our witness. y'all notice all these start with a W? (laughs) You're welcome. We honor God with our witness. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says, honor Christ and let him be Lord of your life. Let's start right there for a minute because some of you haven't even done that. Have you let him be Lord of your life? We'll get there in a minute. Hang on, listen. He says, honor Christ and let him be the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your hope. I want you to to see that these two thoughts are connected. That honoring God means you make Jesus Lord of your life and then when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you're prepared to give an answer to those who ask you about your hope. It's, It's how we honor God. Now here's the question is, How many people did we provide that witness for this past week? I'll tell you what, last week's gone. We can't do anything about what happened last week. How many people are you going to provide that witness for this week? How are you going to honor God in the days ahead by providing an answer to someone who asks you about the hope that you have? See, what, what, what honors God is for us to acknowledge, I needed a Savior And Jesus saved me. He saved me from my sin. He saved me from the wickedness I once lived in. And and I'm gonna honor God by letting others know that. I'm gonna acknowledge that myself and then I'm gonna let others know about it. But some of you haven't even, you haven't even acknowledged it about you and you've got that dishonoring spirit of Hophni. You know what Hafni's name means? It means to cover. The name Hafni literally means to cover. And boy, do we spend our whole life trying to cover up the reality that we're sinful mankind in need of a savior. We cover it with excuses. We cover it with justification. We cover it with, well, I'm not as bad as so and so. We cover it and listen, God can't cover what we won't uncover. As long as we're covering our sinful nature, you know, with all of our excuses and justifications, God can't cover it with his grace with salvation, with redemption. But the minute you take all of the excuses away and the justifications away and you say, I'm a sinner in need of grace, he steps up and he covers it, he cleanses it, he casts it as far as the east is from the west. A dishonoring spirit will always attempt to cover one's own sin. Adam and Eve, let's go back there. They... they, disobey God's word. They partake of the forbidden fruit. They recognize their nakedness. And what's the first thing they do? They go get fig leaves and try to cover their nakedness. I I want you to see, God let them know, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. This trip the Israelites had brought to the house of God that Hophni and Phinehas were presiding over, This offering they had carried there that day, it was their blood sacrifice. Hafni and Phinehas made it about the meat that they were gonna gorge themselves with. But for those folks, it was about covering the sins that I've committed, having those sins pardoned and forgiven. And a dishonoring spirit says, I'm not worried about someone being right with God or not. I'm just worried about me and mine and what I want. And so dishonor, always 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 try to cover up our own sin but honor is going to provide that witness here's who I was and here's who I am by the grace of God I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see and we let the world around us know We let the world around us know. We share that witness, just like Jesus instructed us to in Mark 16, 15, when he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. See, honorable priests, and that's who you're to be, an honorable priest. Honorable priests point to the departure God's given us from darkness. Remember 1 Peter 2, you're a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood, what are you doing? You're declaring the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You're providing that witness. You're pointing to your departure from darkness by the grace of God. Are you honoring God with your witness? Will you honor God with a witness this week to those around you? Darkness needs to know that they can be saved too. I'll close with this. I'm not out of message, I'm out of time. But I'll close with this. God's judgment caught up with those two priests. Israel went to war and were defeated. And Hofti and Phinehas were both killed in battle. Messengers were sent with a word to Eli that his sons had been killed in battle And that the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God had been captured by their enemy. And when he got the news, he fell back and his neck was broken, the scripture said, because he was heavy. Hafti and Phinehas weren't the only ones eating those sacrifices. Now, I'll read from 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 19 through verse 22. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant. And near her time of delivery... When she heard that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She, she died in childbirth, but before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her, don't be afraid, you have a baby boy. But she didn't listen, didn't, didn't answer or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod, which means where's the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. And then she said, the glory has departed Israel. Listen to me. A dishonoring spirit will always result in the departure of the glory of God. It's why I refuse for us to just make plans for Sunday and not leave room for a spontaneous supernatural, sovereign God. I refuse. And, 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 and why I call on you to never treat worship in a contemptible way. I call on you to recognize that you are a priest before God responsible in, in the temple that you are. Remember First Corinthians said, you're the temple of the living God. His spirit lives in you. And, and you are to oversee things in such a way that, that this temple that you are never, ever, ever is going to treat worship contemptibly, that you're gonna worship God, you're gonna give God what's his, you're gonna put him first in everything, and you're not gonna to try to bring sin, any sin, right up in the environment of worship that is the temple you are. You're never, ever, ever gonna do that, but you're gonna worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Let me just say, We can't treat worship with contempt or try to bring sin into our worship and expect the glory of God to remain upon us. Oh, I want the glory of God in this place. I said I want the glory of God here. And I covet the glory of God for your home. I covet the glory of God for for your life. Today, let's learn from Huffney and Phinehas, And let's refuse to be that kind of priest. Let's steward the presence of the Lord well. Let's be holy for he is holy, amen. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Jeff Ables and I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart as you've listened to this message and you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you have no real assurance that you are right with God, If you cannot honestly say you've been living for God and you know that needs to change, I wanna invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means God loves you and God's ready to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on him. Why don't you call on him right now by praying a very simple prayer with me. I want you to repeat the words of this prayer after me. Let those words come right from your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from God. And I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again through faith in Jesus. I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive all my sin and change my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And I thank you right now, even as I pray. According to your promise, my sin is all forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we would really love to know about it. We'd love to give you some next steps to get you started on your brand new journey of faith. What I'd love for you to do is just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. And someone will connect with you to provide you with some resources that I think will help you greatly. Again, just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today. And God richly bless you is our prayer for you.